This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is happier than Farrell Williams. Now, what a weekend. One of the best killing joke gigs ever on Friday. One of the best Chelsea performances I've ever seen on Saturday. And all in the company of my best mate, Simon Kane, who I took along as a birthday present. And all thanks to Dan Silver, who got who we got to sit next to in the process. Uh, a senior Conte said, fantastico. But how good was it really? really? John Motson John- said, this was the best 90-minute performance I have ever seen in the Premier League. I put it above anything I saw from Arsenal and Man United when they were at their best. This was football on another planet. Chelsea were out of this world. If Conte is producing football like that, I'm not going to look any further for the champions. And who are we to argue? Now, I am Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is The Chelsea Fancast. We have joy, which is not uh, some kind of pseudo-1930s German reference. In fact, it is uh, an ode ode to uh, a Killing Joke song off the album Revelations, which, of course, as I said, I saw Killing Joke on Friday. They were fantastic, and that is one of their songs. And I thought, I cannot think of a better title for the show than that. I think it is so appropriate because I, for one, walked out of there in absolute joy. And I, I, I have to be honest with you, there are not many times I've said that in the 30-odd years, 40-odd years I've been watching Chelsea. But well, there you go. Now, with me tonight, we have the return of the kid, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. He's back. He's back. Better than he was before. How are you, mate? You all right? Impossible. Um, I'm very good, thank you, Chidge. Yeah, very good. Marvellous. Um, still cloud nine from Sat from, yeah. uh, from Saturday. Still coming down. Still haven't come down. Still, it worries me that I spend that football means so much to me that uh, that I bounce about after they've won. So uh, well, 
What am I like when they've lost? Unlike Heineken, this is what football can do. It can reach the parts that other other things cannot reach. So there you go. Um, joining me and Jonathan this week, we also have uh, my benefactor on Saturday, a wonderfully generous chat and an all-round bloody good bloke, Mr. Dan Silver. Hello, mate. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right, cool. mate. I, I, well, I'm still, like Jonathan said, I'm still on cloud nine, so I can't believe what oh. I saw on Saturday. I don't know, whatever's above cloud nine, that's where I am. I mean, it just was a thoroughly cloud enjoyable 10, day. Mate. Yeah, no, more cloud than ten. that. Um, yeah, cloud well, 11. Well, no, it comes after know. nine. Dan, great to see you on Saturday. Yeah. Great to have you in here tonight so we can uh, dig the bones out of it. Now, last but by no means least, we have uh, my favourite podcaster in the universe, the man behind the podding, the glorious podding shed. Um, and, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know where to start with this, Tony, but I mean, you, you missed the game because you <laughs> fell did. over on the way to the pub, mate. I mean, what the I, hell? I know. Uh, talk about sh- being shit out of luck, I think the phrase is. Um, but, yeah, I was walking to the pub. Um, not home from the pub and a uh, bit of uneven pavement, dark road, bang, over I went. Like Didier Drogba in his prime. Um, no one was there to give uh, give me a yellow card as if I'd been kicked in the chest, you know, by Johnny Evans. But uh, I was pretty in a pretty bad way. So I just couldn't make it. It was just one of those things. And, uh, you know, it's now all about my recovery and that. So, like I said, a week off work. Worst things happen, mate. But, yeah, shit out of luck. Yeah, I mean, what a match to miss. And I, I, I'm very sorry for you for that. I'm very sorry that you hurt yourself. And I, I wish you nothing but a speedy recovery, mate. Now, on the show tonight, uh, we'll be asking, is that the best Chelsea performance we have ever seen? And if not, what was? And uh, I, exclusively, I will be revealing the four Ps behind Chelsea's current success. There we go, mysterious to the last. Now, in part two, uh, we'll be asking, are we finally seeing... Eden has his potential come to fruition, and just how good can he be? In part three, we'll be asking, are Chelsea now serious title contenders? And are there still some weaknesses that need addressing? Uh, in part four, we have not one, not two, not three, but four emails where you, the listener, have your say. So it's going to be a bumper show, and Jonathan will earn his corn tonight. And they're good emails. And they, they, I think actually a couple of them certainly will spark a bit of debate, which is always good. Now, don't forget... You can listen to the show live every Monday, apart from when my internet doesn't work. Uh, for which, actually, I should—I owe you all a huge, huge apology, you people who listen out there, uh, both uh, live on Mixler and on the podcast, because I'm afraid, um, you know, for reasons way beyond my control, i.e. Virgin Media, it basically, my internet just went the way of the pair, and uh, I couldn't get it back in time, had to cancel the show, and then, of course, Sod's Law dictates about an hour after that, it all came back. But by then... I'm afraid the moment had passed, so we didn't do a show last week, which was a great, great, great shame, and I am very, very sorry. Um, I hope the Kerry Dixon preview show somewhat made up for that on the Friday, but there you go. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler. It's mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, and you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many are doing right now as we speak. Now, Tony, I know that you're in the chat room. Do you want to just remark on who is in there with you? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, we've got Pete Four, Pete Four Two, uh, Clive Lewis, Andrew Snelf. Uh, we have Chelsea Debs, of course, Benny the Blue, 
Um, and oh, I'm going to try this. Matthias Hackett, Mark oh, Barford, the wonderful Matthias, who I've never met. Yeah. Um, and of course, the lovely Andy Silverman, um, uh, Jacaranda Chick. There's a few people um, I'm uh, thinking are from the US here who you think are probably doing this, not least of all to escape um, the idiocy of the news over there that's going on oh, at the moment. Well, I, I mean, without getting into politics, because I like to try and avoid that where at all possible. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I'll be I'll be honest with you that I, you know before the show started tonight when I was having me having me chicken soup, uh, I was watching a bit of CNN and I was just thinking to myself whilst watching it, I only ever watch CNN once every four years, and it's around this time. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, it must be election time. But there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right now, um, after this little bit, yeah. Well, welcome to the people in Mixler, by the way, and and uh, you know uh, many of the people I know in there very well. And it's nice to see you all in there. Now, after this little bit of sting, we're going to be talking about that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful win. Where on earth can you start on an evening like tonight after a game like we saw on Saturday? Um, but I think that there, there has to... I mean, actually, you know what? Funny enough, this was prompted very much by Jonathan's tweet, which was a fantastic tweet on Saturday night, which basically, I think Jonathan was extolling the virtues of the game he'd just seen. But it, it occurred to me, I mean, is this the best uh, Chelsea performance we've ever seen? Um, so I'm gonna gonna kick it off with you, Jonathan, because I think you were you were you know fairly positive that it might well have been. Well, I, I, as I put in my tweet, you know, I think this is possibly one of the best performances I've ever seen, and I am very old, and I have seen so many games coming when I've come away and thought, wow, that was phenomenal. But um, there were definitely passages in that where um, their ability to pass round. Um, a seemingly dazed Everton was just uh, absolutely phenomenal. I think particularly Hazard's uh, second goal, where the whole build-up to that was was we all around us. There was a kind of sort of feeling of what are we watching? This is absolutely superb stuff. Um, and I, I know, of course, I, I can't remember too long back, but I'm, I remember thinking somebody actually very wisely said, "Yeah, but weirdly when." Um, Mourinho first came to Chelsea, there were some performances with Robin and Duff which were uh, very out of this world. And we came away similarly on cloud nine. But there was a, a precision and an ability about this team that I, I, I really don't think I've ever seen before, uh, particularly in the Premier League. Well, I'm obviously never, never uh, pre-Premier League because they just didn't have the fitness um, the athleticism or the passing ability of this kind of team, because let's face it, it's based very much on that as well. There's a great, he's got them very, very fit. You have to be in order to play this pressing game and to play this three at the back. But um, uh, he's obviously, I, mean, I think it's really is, obviously the players have come up to the to the to the plate as it is, were, is it the best match you've ever seen? Is it the best performance yeah, you've yeah, ever sorry, seen? Actually, you're going to stick your nail to the mast here, mate. Is it? Yeah, really. Uh, I, I, I would think I would think that um, it, because it was only Everton. To me, it's not the best match I've ever seen. Because um, for uh, the example, the Barcelona game when we were three 0 up, I think was pretty good. But yeah. That was only a half. So perhaps for yeah. sustaining it, 
for sustaining it, it, it was the best game. But I, I think it, the, the way that he's got them playing, we're, we're going to see this again, you know. I think, we're, I think there's going to be more of this. I think we're going to yeah. be debating more whether something is the best match you've ever seen again. Wow. But I'd like to Every show for it. the rest of the season. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, well, when he did it at Juventus, <laughs> when they started winning, it, he well, carried exactly. on winning from then on. But I'd like Jonathan, to see him Jonathan. do it. I'd like to see him do it to Liverpool. I'd like to see him to do oh, it to wouldn't, Oh, or Spurs, wouldn't it be even better? I mean, Jonathan, yeah, the, yeah, thing, yeah. the thing oh, is this, yeah. and this, this, this is very much why I asked you first, because, you know, when it, when it comes to uh, the Chelsea fan cast, you're like the, uh, the 1922 committee. I mean, you have that sagacity and wisdom. I mean, you are a man who's been watching <laughs> Chelsea since the 50s, for God's sake. You have seen, yeah. therefore, probably twice as much football as I have seen. So if you if you tell me that that's one of the best performances you've ever seen Chelsea play, then I take my hat off and I respect that because I mean you know you've been there. But mate. it's also it's also the fact that we restricted them to one looping header, so it was fantastic yeah. from an attacking point of view and a defending yeah. point of view, and as I say, an athleticism and a fitness, and also a, a kind of as you say the joy of seeing yeah. them completely destroy. Yeah. A, a really quite competent defensive unit. You know, yeah. they were the second best defensive unit in the division, Everton, before, up until that that game. And they could not, and even Kerman admitted it. Kerman had said at the end, I did, I've never seen a team play that that tactic, that style, so well, he said. And yeah, they didn't run out of puff. They didn't run out of puff. I, yes, I, the answer to your question is, I think I've, after thinking about it, it was the most complete performance I have wow. ever seen from a Chelsea team. That's a big wowzer for you, mate. I have to say, as I tell my head, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask Dan. Next. I mean, I was sitting next to Dan, and and we were looking around at each other with aghast, weren't we, Dan, at what we were seeing? Oh, it was fabulous and faultless. I mean, I, I think for me, yeah. I mean, in my thirty odd years, I've never seen such a complete performance. I disagree slightly with Jonathan. I think Everton are a good side. That there were no mugs. And, but I just think we were just, could, no one could live with us. The speed, the technical ability, everything just fell totally into place. It's almost like everything had been working on since Arsenal's second half. Suddenly it was like, wow, here we are, we're going to do it. It's brilliant. I mean, every single player, even at the last minute, Alonso was coming over the sideline trying to win the ball. I mean, it was faultless. I, mean, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself. And I've, yeah. I've now seen the game on BT Sport. Match the day, match day two, and Chelsea TV. So I'm, you know, I'm enjoying myself. Keep watching it, mate. It, it, yeah. it probably gets better on every look. I mean, the interesting thing is Dan, Dan will know this. I mean, you know, as, as, a, as a birthday treat, I, I took my, I said as a birthday treat, I took my best mate. Uh, to the game, which I arranged a long time ago. He's actually a Southampton fan, bless his heart, um, but he's a decent lad. Simon is the is the mate that I I played you know football with as a kid for like. I don't know six eight years so we go back a long way so he knows his football he might he might be a Southampton fan but he, he appreciates football you know and and he was there Dan wasn't he as excited as we were he was up out of his seat applauding cheering this is a neutral Dan wasn't it yeah well, he, he said to me wow you know there's very few lost for words I mean he was, he was I mean talking about Hazard Pedro he really enjoyed himself I mean, as a neutral, it was fantastic to watch. Yeah. And I was going to say, we've, we've actually got some credit because had that been, you know, Barcelona, it had been on Sky Sports, you know, all, all day, every day. But we've got a bit yeah. of credit, which is nice, for, for what was a, a faultless performance. You cannot pick one single hole in that performance. And as Courtois said or tweeted, I feel like I've got the best seat in the house. 
Well, I don't know, Dan. I think, to be fair, I think if there's one criticism you can make, I, I don't think that Courtois made enough saves, really, during the game. Yeah, that catch. And the best thing was um, David Luiz had Lukaku in his pocket for 90 minutes. He did, didn't he? Uh, his pockets must be very big because that's an awful lot of players he's got in his pocket at the moment. Now, Tony, um, I'm going to give you the, the final word on is this the best uh, performance you've ever seen, mate? Yeah, for a couple Chelsea, of weeks. obviously. For a yeah, couple of weeks, for a couple of weeks. man. Um, well, I think you know, it was we did, there wasn't the euphoria. We you know we smashed Manchester United 4 0. We did, and mm. everyone was sort of like, Yeah, whatever, shit United side. It was all this naysaying going on again, yeah. like, you know. Um, and, and yet, there he was, our 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 kind of hero turned nemesis or whatever to turn up, bringing this uh, multi hundreds of million pound squad which has you know, dwarfed ours in terms of spend and we wiped them away 4-0 and yeah they had their chances whereas Everton didn't um, but you know I think when I look at all of the performances I go from 2-0 Hull um, actually arguably the second half versus Arsenal where we drew it 0-0 um, uh, since moving to this system and I'm not a great formation person it bores the shit out of me to be quite honest with you but since we've moved to it it's been fantastic this Everton game now bearing in mind I was, I had the right arse, okay, on Saturday because I obviously wasn't there. Um, and I was grudgingly watching it, you know, sort of mumbling like a miserable old bastard through my teeth. And then suddenly I was sitting there going, oh, oh, I say. And then I was thinking, you can't move too quick here, Tone, because you're in fucking pain here. <laughs> you know, so it was, all, it was almost like, it was, it was almost like being strapped to a chair with a porn show going on in front of you. Like, For fuck's sake, I can't move, I can't do anything about it. But it was fantastic to watch. So I, I, I think when I go back over the years, there's been great performances. And I think JK alluded to it under Marino in his first year. I think there was a, a game against Norwich where... Um, I think Robin scored a goal, which I still to this day think was the perfect team goal with about yeah. 20 passes before it or whatever. Um, so there's plenty of them. I, I think this was very, very good. Everton, as Dan said, no mugs. They came, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people like me would have been kind of naturally walking in thinking, you know, we, if we get a 1-0, 2-1, we'll have done well here. Uh, to wipe them away, 5-0, without a single shot on target, I think. Um, uh, and, and they... You could see it clearly on the TV. I mean, they were in desperate straits for the last 15 minutes, thinking, "What do we do? We can't go mm. forward. We can't. How do we damage limit the damage when we're already five nil down?" Um, so I think, in those terms, uh, I would say one of the best, probably one of the best half a dozen I've seen um, in all the time I've, I've I've followed Chelsea. Whether it's the best or not, I guess it's on the level of the game as well. well you, you know. know he, so, he, he, Here's, the, here's what I you know what I consider about it, Tony. I, I think you know what I think aesthetically, it, it may well have been one of the best performances I've seen Chelsea play. And what I mean by that is, I mean as everybody who listens to this show knows, I am certainly not a football purist. I don't ever really care what formation they play, what tactics they set up in. You know, they can win one nil every week, and it can come off a defender's arse, and I don't care as long as I get drunk, see my mates, and we win. I don't care. I leave football purism, pur, pur, um, purism, if that's the word, to Arsenal fans, frankly. But, you know, the grin that I came... I mean, it wasn't a grin. I was just staggered about what I'd seen because the completeness of the performance, aesthetically, the movement, the passing, was just... It was, I mean, as John Watson said, it was like, it was from another planet. It was quite staggering. So I think... 
I think from an aesthetic point of view, I'll put it up there. I mean, I was trying to think, you know, like you do, people coming out with these statements, it's the best performance we've ever seen. Well, well, if it wasn't, then what was it? You know, I mean, I remember how we used to play when Carlo uh, had us absolutely firing on all cylinders, and I thought that that was very good. There were times when Mourinho got us playing like that, and when when Robin Indeed. was flying particularly. I also remember times, actually, um, you know, when Viali and... Uh, and Zola in particular were at their height. And I remember, I, I, I've always said this, and people look at me like I'm bonkers because nobody remembers it. But I remember when we played Feyenoord away in the Champions League um, in the, one of the kind of group matches they had. And we beat them 3-1 or something. And we played them off the park. And I'd never seen, um, you know, that combination of English football, high intensity, um, physicality, but with the speed and technical precision of the continental game that, that people like Viali and, and Zola in particular and Dan Petrescu, et cetera, could do. And, 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 and people like look at me like I'm mad because they nobody, nobody remembers. But I remember watching that thinking, bloody hell, I've never seen that done so well before. So I think there are other examples. And the other thing I would say, Tony, just to kind of wrap that up, is that that's what I mean. Aesthetically, I think it may well be one of the best. But in terms of performances, I mean, you know, I've, you know when we played Barcelona on occasions... You know, the magnitude of the game, what was at stake, uh, and the spirit and everything else. I mean, the, the, ironically, the one-all where we got knocked out because we had five penalties, uh, you know, denied. But I thought the way we bossed that game and outplayed, you know, the best team in the world at the time. I mean, as a performance, I think that that, in some respects, is better. But aesthetically, I really am struggling to think of one match that I can say that we looked better than that. So that's my take on it, boys. I mean, who would like to come back at that? Hands up. Not, not that I can see any of them. At all. Yeah. Dan. I think, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, the, the Arsenal 6-0 was pretty close to a faultless performance. But the, the difference is that they Everton's attacking force absolutely nothing. So talk about yeah. controlling the game from minute 1 to 90 yeah. without giving away any, any shot, any serious shots. That's complete performance. Because mm. Arsenal did have one or two chances. So I, I think... It's, it's it has to it has to be in the top five all time to have all five all come and talk top all five Chelsea performances. Yeah, I mean Mark Barfoot's got Mark Mark Barfoot's got a good point on Mixler there, Dan, saying that Arsenal were also down to ten men, which I kind of I, I do remember. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. just going to throw this move this on a second, chaps, and I'm going to ask Jonathan this because I, I I thought about this before we came on air and. Uh, I remember from my old marketing days, they they used to have this theory called the four P's. And it occurred to me that kind of that's what we've seen with Chelsea. And this maybe is the secret to the success at the moment. And the four P's are, uh, they are pace, power, pressing and precision. And uh, you put those together and it is a real joy to watch, isn't it, Jonathan? I mean, you were alluding to this, actually, when you were talking a minute ago. I was. It's phenomenal. Um, uh, well, yeah, but that... that... Do you think he? Do you think he hands that to, to to them as the players and says you have to do this now? Pace, power, pressing, precision. I mean, they're all they're all things that clearly work with the system that he's set up. He, they have to do it. They have to be very fit. They, you know, he's going to get the pace there because essentially he's playing. Uh, how many? All, all five of the. They're almost five wingers, aren't they? You've got um, you've got Pedro, the winger. You've got and uh, um, what I love about also about um, Victor Moses is that. For, for a lot of last season and the season before, when when um, Branner was playing fullback, he ended up being the winger as well, and he was always a dreadful crosser of the ball. And what what uh, Conte's come up with is this idea of the, well, 
why bother to have a fullback? Why not actually have the winger being the fullback? Which, um, you know, makes wonderful sense because then you've got somebody who's used to doing precision crossing. So we've actually, and the fact that he can get back really quickly, and it's all based on this, this, this as you say, this wonderful pace. The power goes with the huge athleticism that is necessary for the, for the pressing. And because they're such class players, um, you get the precision of it as well. So, yeah, you're absolutely right, Chidge. It's uh, all those things are in evidence. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, that causes that um, when it works, which he's got it doing, um, it's 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 completely superb to watch. My my, my um, interest is to whether he's got everybody in the club playing it and even when they're training so that you can then bring anybody in seamlessly yeah. To play that way, I think that's when we're going to come under pressure. Well, is to is yeah. to when Batshuayi can possibly is he able to play that? I thought he impressed when he came. Well, on. he was better than you, he was you, in the West Ham game. You just reminded me of of, of something, Jonathan, and and, and I, which I, I feel a bit shitty about when, when one reflects on what a marvelous game it was. But I do remember turning round to Dan. Uh, because apparently Oscar came on, and then I saw him ten minutes later. I said, "Oh, look, look, Dan! Oscar's touched the ball." <laughs> So yeah. maybe it's not all beer and skittles. I mean, you know what, Jonathan? Actually, just to kind of to, to dig down into this pace, power, precision, uh, uh, pressing, and precision a little bit more. In in a sense, that's kind of what made it such a complete performance for me because it wasn't as you know. I know we've we've already said this about the fact that we dominated an attack, but we dominated everywhere. They, I mean, they had one attempt on goal from what I can remember. We yeah, had it locked up at the back. Courtois had nothing to do. The defence was superb. The midfield had complete control and were being creative. And basically, Hazard and Costa ran riot, didn't they? Yeah. But the, the system allows allows Hazard to play that role, doesn't he? He doesn't. He can get back and defend, but essentially he's he's bossing the game. Um but I, I, you know, I think credit must be given. I thought Pedro played out of his skin since he's been in this system. Um, he, he, you, you suddenly see clearly what the type of player he was at Barcelona. That I don't think he's he's shown us at all um, in the past. He was a disappointment last year. Whereas now we're seeing we're seeing what he can provide. Well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pop I'm going to put that in I'm going to put put that into to. Uh... Uh, part two, because uh, you know I'm sure, definitely yeah. going to be eating some humble pie in there. But Tony, just before we wrap up this part, Tony and Dan, Tony first. I mean, yeah. what do you think of the whole the, the whole four P's idea? Yes, I think that's pretty I think much it's... nailed it. Yeah, I think it's absolutely nailed. And that was the thing; it was a joy to watch because I think I'm like you, Chidge. I think we've talked about it in the pub where we've frankly got absolutely pissed off Battered. to the back teeth with watching us uh, sit off people. You know, yeah. guard our space, sit back, sit back, yeah. sit deep and all this. Um, and we play other teams and they've got wise to it now anyway. And we've played so many other teams, Liverpool, for example, who were in on us, pressing every single time we got the ball. Um, and, and we didn't cope with it. Um, and to see that, to see players going in for, for tackles, tracking back. Uh, and everybody seemed to know their job. Everybody seemed to know where another blue shirt was. Um, and I really, really like that. I love the fact that they're they're so, and I'm going to be a bit poncy here, but they're so sort of spatially aware. They know who's where and where they've got to be. Not least of all, the fact that you know um, David Luiz spent you know a good you know third of the game walking around with his arm in there, pointing out where the next ball should go, mm. um, which I, I think is great to see as well. But yeah, this this whole pressing um, and, and pace and power 
was that's the first time I've seen it. And I, I think I've been on, you know, I've done a, f- a few of your, your shows here, and I've, I've said once or twice before, I wonder whether he's just holding his powder dry, i.e. saying, you know, to, um, I don't know, well, John Watson called him Roman Abramovich, but um, saying to him, you know, I'm just going to prove a point with some of these players. You know, uh, here's the chance. They're getting a chance to show what they can do, and when they haven't done it, then they'll be, you know, given bench jobs or whatever. I just wonder whether some of that's come true now because, yeah, I, well, the, that, that... Uh, you know, the Arsenal three goals in the first half was possibly the point where he just thought, oh, look, you know, sod this. Um, yeah. A joy to watch, an absolute joy to watch. Indeed. And it's this isn't it isn't one game, Chidge. We've, we've seen, you know, a yeah. slightly inspiring win against Hull. But if you think about Leicester, um, at, yeah, United, Southampton, we have not given these teams that much of a sniff. Every team's going to get a chance, but they've not really had that many clear-cut chances that you think they should have buried. All right, we're going to have to go to a break, but uh, afterwards we're going to pick it up, and I promise I shall pick it up with you, Dan, because I was going to ask (laughs) you about that, but we'll be back in a second. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. So I'm, Ch- I'm Stanford Chidge, and I'm very, very happy tonight. I'm happy because we're podcasting, and we failed miserably to do so last week. And I'm very happy because Chelsea are by far the greatest team the world has ever seen. I'm also very happy because I'm joined by the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Hello. The marvellous Tony Glover. Bonsoir. And the delightful Dan Silver. Watcha. Now, um, for those of you who are listening to part one, you'll know that we were talking about, uh, obviously, Chelsea's fantastic performance and, and how it was built, I think, on pace, power, precision and pressing. I didn't get to ask Dan what he thought about that, so I'm going to pick it up with Dan. What did you think about that? I think what my learning colleagues have said, absolutely spot on, and, and, and the aggression as well, which we've lacked. I mean, compared to last season, we were so slow, so ponderous. We really just stepped up. and Everyone knows where they're meant to be. I mean, I know we'll come on to Hazard later, but he, he is revelling in this formation because he hasn't got to defend. I think I said on... The back end of last season, we're talking about who to keep, who to go. If you give Hazard just an attacking role and there's protection elsewhere, he will turn into a phenomenal player. And he was brilliant to watch um, on Saturday, along with Pedro, who it was alluded to, is now looking like the player that won you know, countless trophies in Barcelona. He looks happy. Everyone is happy. That's the other big thing. Every goal was celebrated by 10 men, apart from Courtois. So his happiness is back at Chelsea. The players buy into Conte. It's a happy place to be again, and that's shown. Well, let's go. Let's go back. Let's go back to Pedro for a second, because that's yeah. kind of the next thing I wanted to really talk about, actually, Dan. And both you and John, Jonathan, have both picked up on this, and uh, you know, it just it just goes to show. I mean, actually, it's really funny. Actually, I've seen quite a few tweets around today, you know, listing all the things that we moaned about last season, and that have come back to bite us very, very severely on the rear end as a result. But you know, the danger of doing this show. I'm afraid, particularly, you know, me, I do it every bloody week, of course, is that you do get caught out occasionally. And I, and I, have, a, I have a suspicious feeling I may have been a bit too quick 
to judge the Eli Wallach lookalike that is Pedro. Uh, ah. what, what? Yeah, you <laughs> know. Be, I mean, am I, I, well, <laughs> should honest. I be eating? Should I be eating a lot of humble pie, Dan? I, I think not. I mean, if you look at last oh, season. Oh, really? Why, really? Is why not? No, he would say. I'll tell you what. Lightweight. We've said. Jonathan, can, right can I just finish? What I was going to say. Last season. I agree with you, Dan. Yeah, every single player was piss poor. Pedro came into a side that was low in confidence, underperforming, and no, nobody was outstanding last season. Not one single player could say, "Yeah, you, you know, you had a good season." He's come back, undoubtedly shown what a good player he is. Matic is back to somewhere near his best. Every single player underperformed last season for whatever reason is now somewhere near their best of the ability. And this is a side that two years ago won the the league. You know, Matic on form, Hazard on form. These were key players. They're all back to where they should be, and it's no, it's no, you know, fluke that we're top of the league. Yeah, you've well, got to yeah. take your hat off to the board here, actually, now, because yeah. we were all talking about that the I... players should all go and that that Mourinho should be kept. And now, with hindsight, you look, you say Mourinho probably actually has got a big problem at the moment, as is being proven at Man United, and that the board um, not having splashed out on very large numbers of players and and saying actually. We won the the league with this lot. Let's give them another chance. Have been proven to be right. But even at the beginning of the season, we were saying this lot aren't good enough, and he's managed it's... to he's managed to make it work, hasn't he? So it, it it really is down to Conte. Yeah, I mean Conte's you know, absolutely. I mean they, and and the fitness levels are up there as well, which is a huge huge difference to last season. I mean you know Mourinho's been spoken about so many times. You now he's, he's always going to be our greatest ever manager. We've got to look forward. Conte's coming. He's had a watching brief in competitive matches because pre-season's just about fitness. He's come in, you know, reverted to type, saw it wasn't working. The Arsenal game being the catalyst, he said, right, we're going to do it my way now. This is how we're going to play. And look where we are. Five straight wins. Was it 16 goals without reply? In Conte, yeah, we well, trust. Pretty much. Listen, old, listen, guys. I mean, it's a very interesting point that actually, that you're, you're, you're obviously, you know, we, we need to give, you know, Conte a huge amount of, of credit for for what he's done in such a quick short space of time, but what I I also in terms of eating high, obviously I'm eating a lot of humble pie tonight, which is probably why I'm so fat. I think it would have to be said, because humble pie, as we all know, is actually quite quite sweet. But um, whoever made the decision to appoint Conte needs to have a very very big kiss. Uh, but it begs the question: who who was responsible for hiring Conte? Do you think, Tony? Oh, I think you could be in luck. I think it could be Marina Granovskoy. Oh! <laughs> ah, Marina, think... I'm coming for you now. Yes, I, I think you chose wisely. Marina, um, lovely she's... Marina. She seems to be the, the kind of... <laughs> oh, and, and now there's one for the teenagers. Well done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's at least three of us who recognise that. Aqua Marina, surely. I know. I know. <laughs> no, never let the truth get in the way of a good joke. Exactly. Um, I would suggest that she's the kind of um, she's the, the quiet power behind the throne. Um, obviously, a lot of trust with Roman Abramovich um, to her. Um, uh, Buck, I don't believe he would have anything to do with it. Emanalo, I think, probably has to come out with this with some credit. Of course, that would be a bitter pill for most fans to swallow. I mean, I'm sure he's that wouldn't, that wouldn't just he, be humble pie, would it? No, that would be um, it's a huge shit sandwich, and we've all got to take a bite. 
That's the phrase that was speaking to mind there. Um, he's, he's, um, but he's got to take some credit there. But I think the machinations behind the scenes on on, on who to get um, would have come from Marina, mate. That's what I say. So, you know, you and me okay. both, I think, you know, um, I'll fight you for her. All right. Okay. Well, at the moment, you're like the one-armed bandit, so I fancy my chances both beating you and, and giving and, give, and giving Marina a nice big smacker on the lips for, for, for hiring yeah. Conte, who... That's it. You I kick mean, him out the, while he's down, mate. I know, you know, all's fair in love and war, mate. You should know that. Um, but I mean, it is, it, you know, it, he's he's doing a phenomenal job. But I, I just want to again, you know, go back to something that Dan was saying as well, actually. And I think Jonathan to a certain extent, but but certainly Dan. Um, but I, I nearly, I, it's funny. I nearly, I nearly called the show. Uh, I nearly called it fireworks because it seemed appropriate as it was bonfire night. Uh, but I also nearly called it the happy ones, which is a bit of a dig at Mourinho, if the truth were to be told. But you know what a difference not just six months makes but what a difference a smile makes you know and and i think we've all we've all said it tonight that they all look really happy they're playing for each other i mean dan it was you wasn't it was saying that when they when the goals were going in they were all collectively in a mass huggy bundle which is lovely to see but i think you know way above everything else that conte has done which has been phenomenal but he's 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 created a very very happy ship hasn't he dan Oh, totally. Yeah, you, you can just see it from the celebrations. And he's he's a class act himself. I mean, you know, when he when they were singing the song for him, he didn't quite realize what's going on. So he did one of his uh, coaches to explain. They were singing for him. I think he's a real he's a class act. He's a nice guy. He's quite humble, but he, he you know vel, velvet glove, iron fist. I think because you know you you will be you know where you stand with him. But it, it's a happy atmosphere. Jose was obviously very toxic for whatever reason. It's continued now at United. So there's obviously something fundamentally wrong. But happy players, given confidence, not continually, you know, held out to dry by previous managers. And it's reaping its rewards. It's, 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 it's brilliant to watch. I say, I said a couple of weeks ago, Chelsea's now my new happy place. <laughs> I had a, yeah, I had a I go like at Courtois, Chidge. I had a go at Courtois when he didn't run the length of the field to join in the bundle. I did. I just Why? Caught, look at that. Look, you're just standing on your line. Get up there and celebrate with them. Come on. He'd have had to run about are. 100 yards, mind you. So. You're a he harsh did. man. Harsh I man. Am harsh. I am. I am in this instance. Yeah. Do you not well, I mean, I have to say, talk, talk, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Talk, talking of happy people, I mean, you know, Jonathan, bless his, bless his heart, is quite often the most miserable scrote on the show, which is, which is you know, I, I, I often wonder <laughs> right, in the evil... Well, so. I often wonder. I often wonder in the evolution of the Chelsea fan cast. You know that we we did have the likes of Tell and Martin on there, and of course they are long long gone. Certainly off the podcast, they're still alive and well, to my knowledge. But uh, Jonathan seems to have kind of assumed both their roles in some sort of way because he can be quite miserable and negative. But I, I don't think I've ever heard Jonathan being so effusive about a Chelsea performance. I mean, after the game on Twitter, I was I was obviously saying what you were saying, Jonathan, but also tonight. And I mean, it, I think that's, you know, so I think the happiness is being spread everywhere, isn't it, Jonathan? Well, yes, but one, one must be, you know, prepared to accept that we might then suddenly come right bang down to earth. Wouldn't be Chelsea, would it, if that wasn't the it case? Wouldn't, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Something will happen. There'll be, you know, they'll, they'll, um, they'll, uh, there'll be some row or something. Will occur. No, I'm, I'm being far too negative. No, I, I, I'm. I just, as I say, I would like to see what happens if three of them are injured. 
whether he can actually maintain that. Yeah. But also, but well, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, can I can I can I park that to part three because I, I I do want to yeah. start going down yeah. the dark side of that. I tell you what, Jonathan, before we do that, well, and, and again, both all of you have kind of you know brought this up a little bit so far, but um, I think you know one of the one of the most joyous things we saw really. On Saturday was was Eden Hazard's performance, and I, I mean it wasn't just us that were saying that. I mean when I you know watched the game back on the highlights and stuff, that and all the media actually that they were they were more effusive about uh, Eden Hazard than they were about anything else. And you know there were people saying that's the best individual performance they've seen in the Premier League. I mean they were absolutely going to town, and and you know when I was kind of reflecting on that and writing the script for tonight, I kind of thought, well you know are, are we now finally seeing? Has its potential come to fruition, Tony? Yeah, and I never doubted him for a minute. I'm not one of those people who's, um, uh, I'm not a nappy shitter, um, as I, you know, the phrase I coined, um, when people were, I was, you know, saying we should sell Hazard. And I've sat on your show a few times last year and this year saying, you know, with the last thing we, he's a bloody good player. And the last thing we need to be doing is selling another bloody good player. There was something wrong last season, which Dan touched on. There was a, a, a kind of grey cloud over Stamford Bridge, um, which has now moved up to Old Trafford, and for it was whatever like a reason, toxic fart, wasn't well, it? Well, it's just, it's, it, it, I mean, you know, I, I generally am slightly worried for the guy. I think I, I wonder whether or not this is, you know, we've we've seen Pete Mourinho, and that was it. And you know, the last thing he, you know, his last big hurrah was us winning the, the Premiership a couple of years ago. Um, but in terms of Hazard. You look at this player. I mean, he, last year we lost at home to Bournemouth and he was the only player on that bloody pitch that was trying to make something happen. He put yeah. endless ball after ball in the box to find nobody there. Um, and I think he got some bad publicity last year and it was unwarranted. I also think he was injured and he was being forced to play. Um, yes. He was being told to play in positions and to do things that don't come naturally to him. And I, I'm going to go on about this again here. This square pegs and square holes idea. I mean, who knew? Who knew? Um, we, we are looking at a player. You you know, you, it, it, could he be the best in the world? He could be. I think he's going to do two or three seasons in this, and then we will struggle to keep hold of him when, you know, the big bucks of um, Real Madrid or Barcelona come knocking along. But the fact is, he is an absolute... I described the other week when we were at the Man United game, Chidge, and I think I was driving home in the car when I got home. I described him as football engineering. He is almost the perfect footballing machine. He can mm. out-jump players that are six inches taller than him because of the power in his legs, right? His balance, um, his, his centre of gravity, the way he can jink in and out of players. His layoff, his second goal to Victor Moses and back was world-class. I mean, John Motson was was orgasmic at that piece of uh, a passage of play. And, he, you know, it just goes to show, you, you've said it in the previous bit about a difference a smile makes, an atmosphere makes, okay? Winning breeds confidence. We all know that confidence, you know, breeds winning or whatever. But there is, there's something happy about the club. We're not in the papers or on the back pages for all of the toxic shit anymore, okay? We're now making the headlines that, you know, we, when we do the old, nobody likes us, we don't care. We're actually going, do you know what? A lot of neutrals are going, blimey, look at this lot. And I like that. And Hazard, for me, is he's almost the flag bearer for that fantastic player I think he's got a lovely personality uh, and I hope we can keep him until the day his knees drop off well I, I can confirm Tony when I met him last Tuesday uh, <coughs> sorry I just dropped something there um, but he is in <laughs> fact very oh right oh, so I was a patsy there mate when I oh you were you 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 you'd walk straight into that one but he he's Who lovely did you meet he's Pidge? a 
Who was that I you met? met? I, Eden Hazard, mate. Eden oh. Hazard. Plays for Chelsea, Jonathan. He's quite good. Yeah. Uh, but he's also about the same height as me, so I, I, I quite like meeting footballers who are the same height as me, Other than, uh, unlike John Terry, who made me look like a pygmy when I had my photograph taken by him, but I still love him anyway. But, Dan, just, just very quickly, um, you know... <laughs> We, I mean, obviously, I think we'd all agree that yes, he's you know um, reaching his potential. He's a bloody good player, etc., etc., etc. But how good can he be? I mean, there was talk in the papers I think today about you know would would he you know get a sniff of the Ballon d'Or if he keeps this going? I mean, how how could, good can he be, Dan? He's got. It could be the best. It could absolutely be one of the best. Is whether he is absolutely hungry enough to to do it. So I think I think Dan Levine's alluded a little bit to his his demeanour that he's. He's very much all about football and family, and maybe he just lacks that absolute self-belief to, to be a Messi or to be a Ronaldo. Absolutely no doubt the talent and ability is whether he wants it enough, whether he's hungry enough. Maybe now in this system where he's just purely playing as an attacking player because he's got Alonso protecting his defensive duties, he can really kick on to the next level. So I, I love him. He kind of, you know, the U player like Zola was, you, you, he gets the ball, he runs at players, you think, oh, yeah, I, I like him. He's the sort of player who wasn't playing for Chelsea, you want to sign because he's such yeah. a talent. And he plays with a smile on his face. And I love it when he scores goals. It, it means so much to him. And he just, just generally seems like you know, a top, top guy. And I just hope we see him for the next five, six, seven years. And once he gets to you know, regularly 20, 25 goals a season like his contemporaries, then, yeah, I think he could definitely be right up there. If I we, think somebody's if actually, actually Jonathan, Jonathan, hang on, hang on, Jonathan, before I bring you in, and I do want to bring you in on this, trust me, my friend, but, uh, God, that sounded very Donald Trump, didn't it? Anyway, Kurt Chelsea, <laughs> as, uh, as uh, yeah, she's You're crooked, she's crooked, she's crooked. Liar, I'm going to make it, make America great again, I'm going to make it great, folks, I'm going to make it great. Anyway, Kurt Chelsea, um, I do a very good Donald Trump, which is also quite worrying me, actually, but anyway, Kurt Chelsea, get on with the fucking program Chigi. Kurt Chelsea has said that's good means not a complete sociopath like Messi, Suarez and Ronaldo and I think actually that's a really good point that he makes because you know if he's going to be up there with Messi, Suarez and Ronaldo there is something quite uh you know sociopathic about those guys in terms of their desire to be the best and shitting on everybody else to to do just that and you know, does and this we talked about this before. You know, does Eden Hazard have that killer instinct, that selfishness to really become, you know, one of the the, the best the best players in the world? I think he's got the talent, but is there, you know, has he got that mentality, Jonathan? I think um, what, I think he will have that mentality. It will be thrust upon him if the team win everything, and I think everybody will stay with the club and will be will will be infused by the uh, the brilliance of the club if they start winning stuff if you know i think conti was quoted as saying that he, he he's he's not actually um he's not worried about the title at the moment it's because it's work in progress but he wants to test the team by playing in europe and that's the main place for him to play and i think if they start winning trophies of major trophies then hazard will be tested and hazard won't want to go to real madrid and barcelona and he'll stay with us because I think he's right, uh, yeah. the very fact that he's a family man won't will mean that he won't want to go off to um, uh, to these to, to the bigger clubs, which are the, they're the only, practically the only two that there are left. Because if Chelsea will then be that bigger club, and that is Chelsea's aspiration, and that's what the yeah. uh, you know after we've built the ground, that's what the uh, 
that that's what the board will be hoping for. It'd be one of the biggest clubs in the world. And that's always been the case since Abramovich appeared there. That was always Kenyon's big thing of everybody being a top class player. And they will they can manage that if they start winning European titles. If he if they start if or they're in the or the, you know, they're up into the semi final and the final and and then they win. And everybody will stay in hazard. Will it will have will have approved, improved accordingly. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, mate, I, I, I utterly, utterly hope you're right. But of course, we've always, you know, there's been, a, I think, a concern underneath that, uh, you know, that Real Madrid or Barcelona will come knocking and it'd be hard for him to turn that down. Although I have to say one thing that and I, I, it's a really good point you bring up there, actually, uh, Jonathan, and Dan Levine has mentioned this, that, 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 that there's actually something quite endearing and, and almost naive about Eden has. And I always remember... Um, because I, I got access to some uh, interview that Joe Cole had done years ago when he was playing at Lyon, where Hazard was. And I think the, the story pretty much goes that, you know, OK, I know we won the Champions League, which is kind of ultimately what got him here. But Joe Cole had a lot to do with persuading Eden Hazard to go to Chelsea. And you kind of, I just kind of, you have this kind of thing, I have this kind of fancy in my head that, you know, Joe Cole's getting in his ear. Yeah, go, go to Chelsea, mate. They're great. And he goes, oh, well, all right then. Because <laughs> you know, that's the kind of guy he is, you know. And that would kind of be nice if that was true. But, I mean, look, you know, let's hope he stays for a long time. Let's hope he keeps getting better and better because he's a phenomenal talent. And, uh, you know, having having been blessed to see some fantastic players at Chelsea in my time and, you know, one of my all-time favourites is still Gianfranco Zola. It, 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 you know, even for an old cynic like me who likes rough-ass football, there is nothing like seeing a, a, a footballer who brings beauty to the game, and, and Eden Hazard certainly does that. Um, now, I suppose, really, from beauty to the beast, really, um, one thing that I thought was quite interesting, which I, I noticed, as I do, occasionally I notice these things when I haven't drunk too much in the pub beforehand, but... Um, you know, JT came on and he replaced Gary Cahill. And when he did come on, he played on the left of the of the central defensive three. Clearly, and in fact, in my opinion, quite rightly, uh, Louise stayed in the centre where I think he is... I mean, he's being compared to Franz Beckenbauer at the moment, for God's sake. So that just shows how well he's doing. But what what interested me was, was the way that JT played in that role. Now, JT is no fool. This we know. But he gave everything in the 10 minutes that he had. And his touch was superb. And his desire to, to A, move the attack forward and, B, get forward in that position, I thought was very, very clear. And it, and it begged for me quite an interesting uh, question, which is, given that Aspie actually brings something to the role that he's now got, David Luiz is absolutely, in my opinion, a shoo-in for that central role... Does that mean if JT does get back into the side, will it be uh, at the expense of Gary Cahill, Dan? Tough, because Cahill's turned his form around the last few games. He's been pr- pretty faultless. He was obviously going through a, you know, a bad spell. But I think he's he'd been hard-pressed to drop him given his last four or five games, because that, that, those yeah. three have built an understanding, and there's a great balance between all three of them in terms of what they give the team. You know, pace, power, passing ability. The question is, you know, Conte's not afraid to, you know, not bring John Terry straight back in because previous managers, JT's fit straight back in. And he hasn't changed a winning team, which is, is, is refreshing. We say it's, it's a squad game. We're going to have suspensions. We're going to have players injured. And we've got someone like JT to come in off the bench for 15 minutes to go just to calm things down. 
you know, take control of the game. Pick a few just, people. Just use, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Use his experience just to, <laughs> to get us over the line. Uh, if Cahill's dropped, I think he'd be very unlucky. Now, you know, I love JT, but it's all about the club. And if he's dropped, he'd be very unlucky. But then also you think, well, Zuma's going to be back after international break. What happens with him? I, I personally so don't think... Hang on, Jonathan first, then Tony. Thanks. Um, I, I, always, I slightly despair of the role that poor old Zuma has to play within the club, which is that last season when everything was going wrong, everybody kept saying, oh, when Zuma comes back, it'll all be fine, as if somehow he's this prodigal son returning. When to me, he was never quite the finished article. And he's only a boy still. And... Um, at the moment, I, you know, I'd like to see how he does and whether he figures in the setup. And I think he'll 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 put him in in the same way that he's done with everybody. He'll give him ten minutes. But I, I don't think I don't think get the impression that he likes changing the team very much. I mean, I, we didn't get the opportunity to talk about the League Cup, um, which I thought was a disaster because he should have maintained the momentum. And to make we, we, we will we will in a minute, Jonathan. I want to pick up on that actually in part three. Yeah, about, absolutely, we'll talk about it. But. Um, uh, I, 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 I fear for Zuma because I, I really don't... Uh, I think he'll nurture him in. I, I get that impression that he's that kind of manager. Um, uh, and I think we've got the best of Zuma to come. But once again, it, we, we mustn't think that Zuma is some kind of marvellous panacea to people um, you know, not giving of their best. I personally think Cahill is there to stay. I think Cahill mm. has fitted in absolutely perfectly. In Done very setup. well, hasn't he? Yeah. Brilliantly, and I think that JT will find it very hard to get back unless somebody's injured. And similarly, mm. um, um, uh, what's his name? Show, show, what's his, what's his nickname? Showboat, no, show, um, Louise, um, Sideshow Bob, Sideshow Bob, Sideshow, yeah, Sideshow. I think that's been absolutely remarkable. Mm. Remarkable. In, in fact, the only Sorry. time that he, he lost concentration, it was like watching him play in the Champions League final. The only time he lost concentration and belted forward was after after we'd scored five and he was in the, in the penalty area. And all of us, as one around me, all went, no, Louise, get back, get back. No, no, you can't do that anymore. You're not supposed to be doing that um, because he's been so disciplined. And I, I honestly think absolutely brilliant uh, and fits in this scheme absolutely perfectly because he, and, but the discipline is, is, has been absolutely laudable. I think he's... Uh, He's really got them working as a, as a team, Conti. He has. To, to, um, to, to, Tony, I just want to bring you in quickly because we're going to go yeah, to a break yeah, sorry, in a minute. And then Dan, and then yeah. Dan if I can. But uh, Tony first, yeah. just, your, just to round up on the whole JT Gary yeah. Cahill thing. Um, I, I, JT tweeted when he got his contract that it would be a different role. And I think that's what we're seeing. Um, I think he's probably accepted that he's um, likely to be coming off the bench more than he's likely to be starting. Um, unless, as you say, there are injuries. And I think... Um, once Zuma's fit, I think both Zuma and Cahill would be in front of JT. Um, and I think Conti respects what JT is, what he's done for the club, but he's looking to the future. Um, and, mm. you know, that that's very much what we all hope we're seeing. I think JT is the last of the, uh, the old guard. Um, and, you know, at some point or other, some people are just going to have to accept that um, it's, he'll probably want a massive payoff in China or the MLS. Um, and he's quite happy doing what he's doing at the moment. Um, and I, I look at him on the bench and he's still up there. He's doing what, what I would have been doing had I not been playing bad, you know, but jumping up and down, cheering every goal, encouraging the players. So he's proper Chelsea. But I think he realises that, um, you know, we are talking um, twilights and careers here. 
Well, I'll tell you what, and I, I will bring you in, Dan, I promise. Um, but before I do, and I, I can't reveal the source of this, but um, I saw a, a text that was sent to somebody that I know from JT um, who made that point that he said it doesn't matter whether he's playing or not, as long as the team are playing well and it's all going great, he's happy. Which, um, you know, I think sums up JT. You know, he, he really does bleed Chelsea. And, and I think... I think he gets the team's interest come first. And I'd just like to pick up on... I mean, Kurt Chelsea is on fire tonight um, when he says one of the problems with the club was assumed starters. Uh, that is in the past. Seems to me Conte isn't concerned about starting names, only the best players in training as it should be, which I wholeheartedly agree with. But Dan, very, very quickly, because we've got to go to a break, but make your point. Yeah, it's pretty much what you guys have just said, that this is beginning the end of JT and the beginning of the end of the... You know, the Mourinho hurrah. Once, because once JT goes, that whole wonderful decade or so of players has gone, you know, into the annals of history. So this is this is like the, yeah. the building of the new Chelsea with J, well, JT slowly being phased out. And Mikel, and Mikel, and Branner, yeah. I would suspect, are probably going to be going. And then that, that yeah. really that really will be it. Now, just a very quick thing, because I've got a little bit of a plug to give out, but it's a very good link, because uh, I talked to Kerry Dixon about this on the preview show we do a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and he doesn't seem to think so. He thinks that uh, he thinks that there's life in the old dog yet, as far as JT is concerned, and it's not over. But uh, you know, we shall see. Now, uh, talking of Kerry, as I was, just another quick plug for the Kerry Dixon preview show, which I record each week with the legend that is Kerry Dixon. It's available on Friday afternoons. Make sure you download it via Acast, iTunes, and SoundCloud. I tell you what, it, it really—I mean, Christ, I'm privileged, like you wouldn't believe, to be doing a show with one of my all-time heroes. Obviously, but it's a great little show because it's only half an hour. We tend to pick up on the last game, like so. For example, this week we'll talk a bit about Everton, and then normally we'll preview the next game. It's only half an hour, so it's a, it's really bite-sized compared to this old monster of a show. Um, unlike this show, uh, you hardly hear from me at all. It's mainly Kerry. I mean, what's not to like? And it's Kerry Dixon. If you're not listening to it, you're doing podcasts all wrong. Uh, now, um, just a reminder, of course, is that uh, if you want to go and buy Kerry's book up front, it's a great read, by the way. It's, a, it's about 15 quid on Amazon, so go and check out Amazon. It'll be in there somewhere. Uh, and Kerry will be doing a QA and a with the wonderful Gary Chivers, uh, another former Chelsea player, this Saturday, the 12th of November, at the Grosvenor Arms, which is 204 Garrett Lane, SW18 4ED, which is in Wandsworth. It kicks off at 8pm and it will cost you a tenner to get in. And I'll tell you what, that would be a tenner very well spent. Now, after the break, we'll be asking, are Chelsea now serious title contenders and are there still some weaknesses that need addressing? Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. It's a very, 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 very happy fancast tonight. It's uh, hey. not often that we... Yes, it's not often we can say that we are this happy... But we are happy in a completely Farrell Williams styley, I can tell you. 
Um, not least because Chelsea, uh, as I said, I mean, you know, we sing. It's really fun. I'm sure I saw a tweet somewhere or something on Facebook or something, which was which was a lovely tweet, which is a. It's not often you can sing. We're by far the greatest team the world has ever seen, and actually really believe it. <laughs> you know, but on, <laughs> on Saturday there was a real sense that it might actually be true. But there you go. Now, um, lots to talk about in this part, of course. Um, it's it's going to bring us down a little bit, you know. Just going to bring us down a little bit, I'm afraid. Um, but it kind of needs to be done. But first of all, before we go down, I'm going to take us right back up there, um, because. Chidge, J.K. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> but where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You know, I mean, we snuck in, didn't we, uh, under the wire. We've been like a point behind the leaders for the last few weeks. Nobody's talking about us. Nobody's taking us seriously. And in fact, hilariously enough, the minute that Liverpool spanked an absolutely uber-shit Watford 6-1 yesterday, we were yesterday's news, and it's all about Liverpool being, it's their year, it's their year, it's their year. You know, so suddenly we've gone back under the radar again, which is where I like us to be, to be honest. But, I mean, seriously, chaps, I mean, there is a sense to me that I think we have to be considered as serious title defenders, do we not, Tony? Oh, God. Um, do you know what I want? I want to say that we are playing adequately at the moment and that we should be considered as potential top four. And that is because I am a man of logic and science and I don't want to hex what's going on at the moment. <laughs> right. So what you've just seen is the verbal equivalent of running up, running a white pole up a flag and saying, don't fucking ask me because I don't want to hex it. No. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, I'll pull the splinters out of my ass and I would say, um, yes, if we continue in this vein. Um, and I've seen some interesting stuff from Daniel Francisco um, who said, you know, well, once the system gets found out, blah, blah, blah. And my answer to that was, what system doesn't get found out? Yeah. Um, even if everybody else thinks 
fuck me, Chelsea are doing three at the back. We've got to do that. They are behind us in that queue now with the players we've got and the drilling we've got and Conte's history in it. I I still think um, that we would be an outside shot at the Premiership because I think there's plenty of banana skins. What does work in our favour, Chich, and um, I think I'm sure you'll agree with me, is no Champions League, which means I don't have to watch it, which means I get to do other things. So I'm having a year out of that, which is good. Um, and we're getting more time between the games, which is allowing, I think, Conti to drill the players and, and to get this kind of spirit game. I still think second is our best shot, but inside, of course, I'm hoping. There's that little flicker of hope. You know the hope that kills you in the end? That's yeah, there. That's, that's watching Chelsea, isn't it, mate, normally? Of course it is. Of course it is. And we've, we've both you and I have discussed it in the pub about the, you know, the, 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 the sort of relentless years of 27 years of shit between, you know, 1970 and 1997 or whatever, you know, where we were, uh, you know, uh, always in the shadow of Arsenal or whatever. Um, anybody. Me, no, I know. I'm not trying to. What I'm saying is. Tony, is that, Tony, just, um, to, just to butt in a second, because yeah. I, I need to share this story with you because you just you just pinged into my head the minute you said that. But there were mates that I had who every year between 1971 and 1997 would gather around once a year at one of their you know flats or wherever they lived to watch a very knackered, dubious VHS copy of the FA Cup win in 1970. And they would meet every year because that was the closest we were getting to success so that they could yeah. just relive that. I mean, that that was the lot of a Chelsea supporter for a long, long time, wasn't it? It was. And um, so I don't. I, I think, and I'm, I, I often, I get quite encouraged by the uh, the managed expectations that you see against, uh, you know, the likes of me, you, Dan, Clayton, and all this sort of stuff, that none of us get carried away with this. We're always tempering the youngsters, if you like, in some way with, um, you know, hold on a minute. Yes, they might be a shit team on paper, but we've all seen the 90-minute disaster. For example, Bournemouth last year, you know, beating us at, at Fortress Stamford Bridge. Um, this time I see something different. Um, are we title contenders? Yes, we are. Do I think we'll win the title? No, I don't. Okay, Jonathan, what do you reckon, my old son? Well, he didn't get sussed in um, Italy, did he? After they, he was playing this this style, um, he just had better players and he drilled them better. So, um, I've actually put some money on us to win it. So Have I you think really? we're going to win it. Oh yeah, I think we're going to win well, it. What else do you get? Um, five to one, but I put money on Fulham winning as well because I, I saw Fulham play the what? other day, and they Premier were great. League. So, yeah, somebody's yeah, taking enough. your money for fun there, mate. A championship. But yeah, I, I, um, it's going to take a lot for people to suss it, you know. I, I, um, because I've said mainly because it, it's a, it's, it's, it demands a huge, um, physical leap for some of the teams. You've got to be unbelievably fit. But as you keep saying, I think I think the fact that we haven't got the uh, the Champions League as a um, uh, um, as an irritant, and that's the wrong expression, as a as a distraction. Um, you, every time that um, uh, Man City go and play in the Champions League, they then play dreadfully in the um, in in the period afterwards. So I think once the teams have qualified, they should all start improving. I think Man City will start winning again once they've actually qualified. Um, because they've still got this period where they're, they're, the major concern is to is to get through the get through the the group stage, um, but no, I, I, I it's very rare to have a team win five in a row and not give a goal away, isn't it? And I don't see why he shouldn't maintain that. 
because once again it's what he did at Juventus so he's already got the he's already got the uh, you know the remit he's already got the, um, the 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 form of having done that so no I, I'm 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 very very positive I think that, that as I said the major problem is whether he can fit all the other players into the um, into the pattern. And uh, and I'll go back to it. And we're going to discuss it, aren't we? But because well, I was going to say, well, I mean, we we can we can we can because there were seven yeah, changes. We, but if it's little change, I don't see why we can make that. We can whiz down that route now, Jonathan. Actually, and I, I mean, because obviously we didn't get a chance to really talk about the the West Ham game, did we? But he he, he made I can't remember how many changes now. Seven. But it, seven. Was it seven? Yeah. And yeah. and and I think actually, you know. Let, let me just before before we talk about that, just let me you know uh, a bring Dan in and b put my own spin on it and and I look I, I I absolutely back up everything that that you Tony and and you Jonathan have said that I I think we genuinely are title contenders uh, and I've actually to be really honest and I'm sure if you whiz back through the early podcasts of the season you may have even heard your uncle Chidge say this but I felt that that Conte was a very good manager and I felt that. Um, because we don't have Europe to focus on, that uh, we would have a sniff. Because if a shit team like Liverpool, managed by a complete plum like Brendan Rodgers, can nearly win the title because they have no European competition, then I'm bloody sure that a side that actually did win it two years ago could come back and do that. So, you know, I've been quietly confident that it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility. Um very quickly, Dan, can you just comment on that, and then I'm going to go and take us back down this this uh, the, the squad depth issue. Yeah, absolutely, got a very good chance. Um, we've had three tests: United, Everton, Southampton, all good sides, absolutely passed with flying colours. I think we've got a fantastic chance. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's six to one. I've got to win the league. So I'm quite happy with those odds. Mm, interesting stuff. Sorry. Okay, well, look, let, let's go and talk about. Oh, the other thing, actually, Dan. Um, I think Jonathan mentioned this, and it's something I absolutely agree with. And again, I know I've been on the record on this show saying this, and I certainly talked to Kerry about it in the in the preview show. Uh, and I liked. I nearly, I've nearly called a. Sh- in fact, if we had done the show last Monday, I was going to call it Deja Juve, because <laughs> Tony, you're buzzing for some reason. What are you doing? Hey, mate, I'm on mute. Oh well, something's buzzing. Seriously, you're you're buzzing. And well, I mean, we're all buzzing, but I mean, you're buzzing more than us. Um, but anyway, yeah, I nearly called it déjà juve because uh, you know the reality is that once um, Conte sorted things out at Juve, who were in a real pickle when he took him over, he didn't lose another game. He certainly didn't lose well, in the entire league that year when he won it, and he didn't lose a game at home for two years. So. You know, this is the mark of this manager that we have, and he could well do the same here. But of course, now I've said that, as Tony's would would, would verify, I've hexed it, so we'll probably get thumped. But here's the thing, Dan. You know what happens when we do lose? Because I I can't believe that we will really go through the rest of the season unbeaten. And and if that happens, how are we going to react, Dan? And I think if we can kind of move this into the whole issue that I think that we are a little bit worried about the depth that we have in the squad. Um. I think we're going to react. It's all about how you react after defeat. And it depends on the nature of the defeat. I mean, for, in Middlesbrough, I'd be fairly confident we'll get something off the international break. And we've got Tottenham and Man City. I think after, after those, if we come out of that with five, six points, I'd be very happy. We will probably lose a game again this season. Let's not kid ourselves. We're not going to go unbeaten. And I think Conte will just react and he'll push the team on and we'll come back you know, stronger. I've got so much faith in the manager, the way he, he goes about setting teams up, the way he 
obviously trains the players. We get beat, we pick us up again, we go again next week. As long as it's not bloody Tottenham at home, I don't care. Do you think we're going to buy more players at, at January? I think there'll be a couple of purchases. Definitely, Jonathan. I think, I, I think that Jonathan. I think that's a really interesting point, and uh, because you know he didn't really get his own way in the transfer window in the summer, did he? And I and I and you can understand perhaps the board were a little bit reticent. Well, you know, we think the players are right. They were saying you need to go and get the best out of them. But I think he's more than proven that he has. So I mean, the the real answer, Jonathan, is that I just don't know. But. Um, I would hope that Roman is sufficiently uh, enamoured of what Conte's done so far that he yeah. is prepared to really, really back Conte because I think if he does back him, then we could have a hell of a team going forward. Tony, what, what do you reckon, mate? Um, well, yes, I think that's... We, 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 I'm now in the position of actually questioning whether we need to strengthen. Dear God, who'd have thought that about no, no, five no, weeks good. ago? No, okay. Um because we've we've seen the introduction of Chalabar, Aina to a lesser extent, RLC seems to have uh, well basically dropped off the entire radar, um, and I think Conti's probably getting some proper intelligence um, about the youngsters as well. Um, I think you know I'd like uh, as much as I, it pains me to say it, I've always liked Pochettino's kind of view that you know he won't buy a player if it's going to block the progress of a youngster um, coming through. Um, and I think there may be a bit of that. One or two players possibly to bring in. I think as we see the kind of, uh, for want of a better phrase, the natural wastage that you're going to get from players who are finally on their way. So someone to replace JT and um, Branner um, uh, and maybe one or two others, uh, John Obi, Mikel, uh, potentially. But other than that, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited by what I see at the moment. And I'm excited when the youngsters come off the bench and join in, even if it's last five or ten minutes or whatever. Um, uh, and the other player, I think I've, I've, I've resigned um, myself to him going now is Oscar because I just don't think he's going to cut it in this system at all. Um, but other than that, I think it's you know the squad depth, everything like that. I'm quite happy with where we are, but I think isn't this thing? I don't think we need to go mental like Manchester United or City. I think Conti will probably have a very good network of, 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 of especially in Italy, of players that he can bring in, that he can trust. Do, do, do you get my drift? You know, rather than I do, I do. splashing out for the, you know, the, the eighty million pound best players in the world or whatever. I'm not sure we need that. No, the van. I, I'm, I'm quite happy to hear you say that, actually, Tony. But John, Jonathan, you asked me the question. I'm going to ask it back to you. Do you think that we'll sign some players in the window? Yep, I think you'll buy a couple. I think you'll buy oh. a. Um, a can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you'll buy um, uh, another midfielder. I just think that I think that fits and uh, and uh, a defender, a, a centre half. I think that he has an idea of how he wants to play, and I think we're we're almost getting there. He keeps talking about it being a work in progress, but I think he he has a certain type of player that they they need to emulate, and I think they come in in um, ready-made packages in Italy, and I think he'll um, I think he'll get a couple. I think, as you say, okay. Tony, it means that um, uh, I think Branner will go. I'm not so sure about Oscar. I think more Fabregas is more likely to go, actually, I think, than, than Oscar. Uh, I think Oscar, Oscar's got a bit more steel to him um, if he can make it work. I mean, Oscar, we've, we've talked about before, is, is goes in and out all the time, just seems to have one fantastic game, then disappears for the next 10. Um, 
but to perhaps he's excelling in uh, in, in um, training. Um, but now I'm 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 not. Uh, uh, I think I'm afraid that Fabregas is going to be the one who who, who misses out. Fabregas and Branner. I think Branner's days are are and Mikel. Yeah, and Mikel. I'm afraid. Yeah, well, I think I think it's no coincidence that Mikel hasn't figured at all. I, mm. I, I think he doesn't. Um, he doesn't. He's in the. You know, he's in the. He didn't even figure in the Palace game. I mean, and sorry, in the West Ham game, did he? So. No, I, I, Jonathan. I think I think I think you may well well be right, and, and and in some respects, I think that as I said a minute ago, I mean, Conte I think has earned the right to be able to get a few of the yeah. purchases that he wants done done. Um, the yeah. other the other thing I would say though to all of you really, but I'm gonna you know bring Dan in here. There's a, there is a side of me that also says that okay, on the proviso that they're actually good enough. Um, wouldn't would you not like to see him try and bring through some of the some of the, the talented younger players that we've got? I mean, when Chaloba's played, for example, um, he's looked really, really, really good. Actually, I mean, I I actually think that out of all the the recent young players who have played for us in the last three four years, he's looked one that really does actually look the deal. Dan, he does. He's had, he's had some very good loans. I mean, the year in Napoli really helped his game, and he, he looks he fits in very very well. I think the squad is. Below the surface, lacks some real, real quality. I mean, yes, you want to bring the kids in, but alongside that, you need experience. If you're going to lose a thousand, thousand, a thousand games with players leaving, you need to bring people in who's got, who've got the experience who can help the kids and also help the squad. So I think we'll probably bring them forward. So I think we're a little bit lightweight because you know Cost has been on a knife edge for five games and he's done very well not to get booked. Uh, so I think striker, midfielder, and possibly another defender. Will come in. Okay. And they right. don't, they don't have gonna... to be. Sorry. No, go on. I was going to say they don't. They don't have to be. You know, you, you spend ninety million pounds. It's not guaranteed to get any successes. United well, found with them. Look up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good mm. point. Right. I'm going to move this on because time is running uh, quickly. But I, I do want to say before I do that it's fantastic to see Stephen Mower in the house for his first first appearance in Mixler. Um And of course, we all know Stephen. Tony, you're buzzing again. Take it off mute. I'm on mute. Oh, all right. Well, then, I'll leave it off yeah, mute. Take, take it off mute. Leave it off mute because I think that's why it's buzzing. Anyway, Stephen quite often tweets me and Tony and Dan and Jonathan, and, and I am terrible, Stephen. And it's, I'm glad you're in here tonight because I get the chance to actually apologise to you directly for being either drunk or AWOL <laughs> or just generally useless whenever you tweet. But thank God for Tony and Dan who quite often tweet you back. But what, what I will, I'm sure you won't mind me saying this because I know that there'll be a lot of people who listen to this show who. Who, who will echo those sentiments. And you, you wrote probably the longest direct message I've ever seen on, on, on Twitter. And, but what you said in there uh, really connected with me because it was like, you said, I don't have anybody that I know near me who, 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 who is into Chelsea. So I apologise for tweeting you, but I just need somebody to talk to about how bloody fantastic that game was. And I'm sorry I haven't tweeted you back, but when I read that, I just thought, mate, you've nailed it. And, and, and in, in many respects, that's very much what this show is very much about it brings so many of us together and you know you keep you keep tweeting me one day i will not be drunk incapacitated awol or busy or whatever and i will give you a full proper tweet back I, i'm sure you guys would echo my apology there yeah he's a, he's a good lad he always, he always yeah, talks yeah. Sense, and i really hope we'll see him for a bit at stanford bridge at some yeah, point soon absolutely. would be lovely I mean, wouldn't it yeah not that you guys need to apologize because of course you were very engaged in the tweeting back but uh 
you know i i share that dm with the class chitch i'm i'm i know i think that's up up to up to steve to do that but i might i might well try and squeeze it in later on but anyways well welcome to to mixler i'm glad you're in here now look very very quickly because i've got a couple of plugs that i've got to read out as well um there is something that worries me you know now because i think you know one of the things that we've certainly seen in the last uh you know, three or four games is this wonderful head of steam, this momentum that has has been building up. I mean, three nil, four nil, five nil, um, and and then now what? We've got a bloody infernal international break coming up. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm obviously so cross it's made me belch my derision at it. But you know, it's it's it, you know what worries me? It's going to halt this bloody momentum, and I'm absolutely just oh, apoplectic about it. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, they've become more and more irrelevant. Couldn't give a shit about them things anyway, um, especially after the, the the shambolic Iceland game when you know once again they get they put it's like that bit out of the Godfather. You know, just when you think you've got away, they pull you back in. I don't think England will now, um, but I think it works to our benefit. Our players get a game, um, and they're not being overloaded with the fixtures. You know, if this season's all about getting us back into the Champions League, then I'm I'm okay with the international break for players to go away and uh, and keep their hand in, as it were. Okay, um, but without a kind of fixture build up that we would get from a, a normal season. So I think it can work in our benefit. But yeah, I mean, it's this kick international football. Our football is a great. Phrase, is that what I, I said? Would... Yeah, it is. Yeah, I just read it here. Let's kick international football out of football. Um, I agree. Yeah, it's, it, it, do you know? And I think because um, certainly with JK and yourself, um, Chidge, we're all of an age where we probably remember back to the 1970 World Cup or so when when international football was the the, the pinnacle of a player's yeah. career and yeah. and for the fans as well. And it's just sad to see how how it's gone now. We've we've you know the. I was appalled, I think, a few years back when it was probably about 20 years ago when someone said it's you know club before country every single time. But now I'm afraid, you know, that is my view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I second that. It is interesting. Last... I mean, John, Dan, sorry, go on, mate. I was going to say, absolutely, the last time I actually really fell in love with England was Euro '96, and really since then I just find everything about England just the pity what I hate about football. It's always going to be club for me. I don't have it with rugby or cricket. It's just the football team. I have a real. Yeah. Problem with right now. I think. My, I think my, it's. My uh, so, sorry, been, go on, Jonathan. Jonathan, go My patience has completely worn thin now, and I think. Uh, I think it's. It, what it's such shite. The football is so awful, and uh, you know what you're going to get. It's going to be awful. I, every. I, I keep being. I feel I'm a complete mug. I was going on thinking they, they might suddenly do well this game, and you think, hang on a second, they're playing the Faroe Islands or something, or they're playing some dreadful, you know, Slovenia, and they draw nil-nil against a, a, a team who have hardly any professional footballers, and they and they just nobody looks any good, and and I I, I can't I just can't be bothered anymore. No, yeah, you're right, Joe. It's 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 reached that it's reached that, and uh, you know we're probably going to get points deducted because of this poppy row. So. Uh, uh, you know, in the end, you just think, yeah. "Oh, I can't be bothered." I, 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 and I, I, you know, such a load of allegedly such a load of crooks. You just think, "Oh, God, save yeah. us!" Yeah. I think I think the way to underline it, from my point of view, less fucks could be given. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to I am going to read out Steve, a bit of Steve's, uh, I, and I say a bit of Steve's uh, DM because uh, 
It's uh, it's longer than most of the emails we get, which is fair play to him. And he says, and by the way, before I do that, I just want to say hello to Lester, who I know is in here tonight. Lester's a very long-term Lester. We used to, back in the old days, as he will well know, we used to always refer to him when he Facebooked or emailed in as and Lester. And I think he changed his Twitter name to and Lester as a result, which always makes me laugh. Anyway, Stevie says, uh, sorry, guys, but I've nobody else Chelsea associated to share my joy with. Well, guys, I've again been doing the family thing but managed to keep radio silence, and I've just finished watching the game. Well, fuck me. In all my 35 years of watching and supporting Chelsea, I've never seen such a dominant, complete, and bloodthirsty performance. It's just the fluidity of each performance that astounds me, the confidence that Conte has instilled in the team, and the way they've all responded to his management style. Even in the (laughs) early special one years, we would be dominant, but but I used to feel a little disappointed when we utterly dominated teams but then with 25 to 35, uh, 30 minutes to go, we would just shut up shop and kill the game when we could have won by much more. But the team just seemed to me to be given license to play and keep going. I, I could go on, but I mean, that, I, I think that's a, it was a brilliant uh, uh, you know, message, Steve, and I think we all utterly agree with that, do we not, chaps? Yeah, bravo. Yeah, yeah very good it all, was, yeah. I, mean, all I, right. it, it, I would have put it in the emails. Lovely. Okay. Well, listen, well, I, I didn't because I wanted to read it out now. But anyway, I must uh, get these plugs out before we go to part four. When in fact we will be doing just that. Jonathan's got his work cut out. He's got four bumper emails and they're all crackers. I'm, I'm gargling. Hopefully, I'm gargling. Re- he's gargling. He's, he's doing his vocal exercises. He's drinking honey. He's doing drinking honey. Well, at least that's what he told me he was drinking. Anyway. Um, anyway, Chelsea Sporters Trust. Uh, I just thought I'd give you an update on this because we kind of touched on the West Ham game a minute or two ago, but. Uh, the Supporters Trust did send a report to the club based on the evidence sent in by many of our members who were caught up in the trouble that night. Uh, so many, many thanks for those of you who sent uh, an email or, or, or a tweet in to us. Uh, now, that report, as you probably saw in the statement we issued last week, has been presented to the club. Uh, and we have also now distributed that uh, with the Football Supporters Federation to West Ham, the police... LS185, the people who organise the stadium, if that can be used as a term in terms of what they do, uh, Newham Council and quite a few others too. Uh, and uh, the Trust will report back to you uh, once we have heard back from them. Uh, and also, uh, a couple of us will be attending a meeting with the police this Wednesday to to discuss the issues that are happening. So it's not being pushed under the carpet. It is being dealt with. I mean, you know, we can't guarantee that they will do anything, but we are doing our best to make that happen. So uh, so there you go. One of the many, many reasons why it's a bloody good idea to join the trust and get your voice heard by the club. That's, that is it in a nutshell. It's uh, five quid to become a voting member. So sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com so you can attend the meetings, come to the events and vote on the issues that directly affect you. And make sure you get your voice heard and follow them, of course, on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, now, CFC UK, the new one will be out for the Middlesbrough away match. Uh, I have contributed a review of Walter Otten's new novel, Poppy, uh, which is quite frankly brilliant. Uh, now, you can get Walter's book from gate17.co.uk or from Amazon, of course. It's called Poppy by Walter Otten. I saw Walter, spent most of the Southampton away game with Walter, uh, which was just as always hilarious and great fun. He's now, a top bloke, you, it, Walter is one of life's great people. I, I love the man to pieces. Now, if you can't get CFC UK in person, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, follow Twitter account at cfcukusa. And if anyone is interested in getting a CFC UK, you know, proper 
proper copy, you know, not, not a digital one, then contact Dan Lundberg on Twitter at DLundberg underscore. And finally, 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 uh, very important, uh, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea, or if you want a bit of Chelsea in your chocolate, join our club. Or well, that's not quite how the chart used to go, didn't it? I remember that. Do, do you remember that chart, anybody? Yes. If you want a bit of aggro with your football, join our club. Remember <laughs> that, Jonathan? <laughs> Brilliant. There we go. Very 70s. Uh, but if you want a little bit of Chelsea uh, and you want to protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners, who, of course, own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge forever. We are the only supporters in the entire league who have this provision that we actually own the pitch. Uh, and it cannot be taken away. So uh, if you want to make sure that that is the state that remains forever and a day, go and find out how to buy a share for about 100 quid. Uh, all you have to do is email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. And you can follow them on Twitter at pitchowners. Now, as I was warning you all a minute ago, uh, after the break, we've not got one, not two, not three, but we have four emails where you, the listener... Have your say. We'll see you in a second. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And we're in the last part, but do not go away because uh, we um, have four really cracking emails from, uh, which just proves that if nothing else, we've got at least four listeners. So uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm always, and, and I mean, actually, that, that'd be five because my mum always listens as she tells me. So I mean, you, we're in good shape. Us, but, we, uh, listen, we listen to you, Chidge. So that's, um, that's true. That's and I listen to you too. Okay, so that's eight. That's great. Okay, and I and I will definitely be listening to Jonathan now because he's got his work cut out. So what I suggest you do read read each email, and then I think we we've got enough time to have a bit of a comment and a chat about each one on uh, this week, Jonathan. So uh, take it away, Jonathan Kidd. <clears throat> the first one is from Jenkins from uh, Dominica. Dominica. Hi guys, Caribbean listener here. As cricket is our national sport, indeed it is. And West Indies, our idols, only started watching football in 2003 after being influenced by friends on interwebs. And I've been in love with Chelsea ever since. Only started listening to your podcast this season. And the only regret is that I hadn't known about it sooner. Quite right. Absolutely. Anyway, my question is... Moyera, red card. Who's that? Dan. Oh, Sorry. Anyway, my question is, what do you make of the seeming resurgence of the back three formations in the Premier League? I'm not claiming that Conte and Chelsea have any intellectual property rights to this 3-4-2-1, 3-4-3 formation, but a few more teams have tried it since. Everton tried to match us with it. Spurs used it today, yesterday, obviously. West Ham as well. While a few teams have used back three formations before the Conte switch, they were using different variations of it, such as Watford and Swansea 3-5-2 and not 3-4-2-1. Just last season, when Louis van Gaal tried to implement a back three, he was lambasted by the media 
and was told that it couldn't work in a fast-paced PL Premier League. Kerry Dixon keeps reiterating on the preview shows that players play a big part of formations. So to see Kerman suddenly switch to 3-4-2-1, like waving a magic wand or rubbing an ancient lamp and failing, was more confirmation of that. Ashley Williams doesn't have the nobility, mobility, well, the nobility, mobility and agility in 1v1 defending that Dave has. Jagielka can't pass it out the back like Louis. Coleman doesn't have the penetration Moses provides and to ask Barry in cleverly to replicate the work rate and physicality that Matic and Kante provides is just sigh-inducing. Anyway, as Mr. Chidge likes to say, sorry for waffling on. <laughs> you guys should visit the Caribbean sometime because it's lit. I like that. Because it's lit. Jenkins. It's lit. Dominica. Oh, I'd be, I'd be first in the queue for a, a fan cast that's based out of Dominica. Well, you tasted yeah. their rum. Oh, my Lord. Oh, man. Stranger things have happened. And, and when, he, when he said, uh, because it's lit, I thought, it, I, thought that I read that as because it's lilt. Which is uh, always reminds <laughs> typically me. Tro- typically tropical, yeah. That's right, you know. Uh, well, because basically, actually, you know, there's a there's a drink. Uh, they have lilt in the Caribbean, but they actually call it ting, man. So I would I would delight myself, and it's basically the same kind of thing: fizzy grapefruit juice, and uh, and and you, and that was the drink to have, certainly in Grenada, where I've spent a lot of time. You have a rum and ting, man. You're yes. having a rum and ting. I love the look, you know, Jenkins. I love the Caribbean. I've never been to Dominica, actually, sadly, but I've been oh, all over the place: Antigua, Grenada, Saint Lucia, Saint Kitts. You name it. It's my spiritual home, man, because I love the weather. It's warm, and as as Kurt Chelsea said, you can just drink Red Stripe all day or Carib beer if you're in Saint Lucia. Anyway, we could waffle on about the Caribbean, but we're not going to because that was, in my opinion, Jonathan, a brilliant email, actually. Uh, football, footballistically, a brilliant email. Would you like to have first response? Uh, well, I, I agree completely about this. What I said actually earlier about the, the fact he's got Conte's got them playing um, the three at the back with uh, with such excellence in a way that Everton tried it. And as he says, Ashley Williams isn't isn't mobile or agile enough because um, uh, everybody in the team has got that that agility and mobility. And so, if you compare our team with with uh, ancient lumps like you know Jagielka and uh, and Williams um and also Coleman you mean, mean Jagielka who's got selected for the England side this week once sec- oh for god's sake that's what's so absurd isn't it oh my goodness <laughs> me. um um I wish that JT had, I wish JT had said yes to the England side um and gone back in again because he'd have shown them all up shown them up for the how how rubbish they were anyway um as he puts Coleman doesn't have the penetration Moses provides. Well, once again, it's because Moses is, is a winger and uh, Coleman's a fullback. And that's that's the that's the, the difference. Um, and, you know, Barry, I mean, my goodness, Barry is he was he's, he's just a um, he's a thug, basically. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a very good email. Very good. Well, perceptive email about teams. You, you know, one of one of the things <laughs> I like about it, particularly, Jonathan, and I'm really glad that Jenkins is listening to the Kerry Dixon preview show because, uh, you know, Kerry's come out with some cracking stuff and he's been berating me for the last three weeks when I keep going on saying how wonderful the 343 is. And, you know, it's been the answer to all of our prayers. But he says, Chidge, no, mate. He says, players win football matches, not formations. And, it, and it's interesting that, that Jenkins has picked up on that, Dan. I mean, would would, would you would you agree with that point? Yeah, I think it's flattering to Chelsea the fact that Koeman completely changed his style to try and match us like for like. And because they're brand new, they got torn apart. 
Was, yeah, he was. I think he was a four-two-three-one previously, and then he suddenly went to match us like for like half an hour in. He had to ban the game plan because it wasn't working. Yeah, yeah. I think he talks Tony, a lot of sense. Like, it's, yeah, Tony, it's, you know my uh, you know my my feelings on on formations, which I can't really say to Kerry on that show because I'm a bit more polite <laughs> on there. Yeah. But basically, there's only one system to play, and it's the Mike Bassett four-four fucking four two, fucking mate. Two. I'm with you. I I, used to do this on the podding shed and people would start talking about bloody pivots and Christ knows whatever else. And I just used to sit there, eyes glazed over. Only when you had Joe Tweeds on, to be fair. (laughs) Pinching, punching, you know, just trying to find a way of staying away. Um, I I, I like what we're doing at the moment. I couldn't give a toss whether it was X, Y, Z, A, B, C or up your jack seat. It don't bother me in the slightest. What I like is what I'm seeing. I like the way the players are. And I think... Um, when people hang it on formations, they are to some degree discrediting the players and their attitudes yeah. and um, uh, and what they want to do in the game. Uh, oh, the other thing is, is it's going to be quite amusing because the minute is something is seen as successful, of course, flattery being, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, was it get a copy and being the uh, sincerest form of flattery. So you, I expect to see Arsenal and everybody else coming out with their three at the back. Um, we've got a head start, and I'm sure if Conte sees that happening. You know, he'll change it. He he didn't play through at the back with Juventus all the time, so I gather he just used to, you know, change it around according to um, what was there. But um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a lovely email, but I I, I yeah, I'm a little bit meh when it comes to, uh, yeah. to tactics. Yeah. Jonathan, yeah. let's move off, Tony, move what? away from the mayor. Can we move away from the mayor and go for the next email? But I, I want you to go back into the mayor and ask Tony what all the right. Jackson formation was. Ah, the what? Tony, what the what yeah. was? The up the Jacksy formation. What was that? Barcelona <laughs> face. Yes, I think it's. Uh, I think um, Robbie Fowler. Barcelona, showed it, mate. Barcelona. Yeah, Robbie Fowler showed it to Graham Lasso, didn't he? Um, some years ago, I think yes, it was a long memory. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's. It, 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 I just. I. You know, sometimes I, I'm not watching a game thinking, "Oh, look, we've gone to four, one, one, two, three, whatever." I don't do it. I just sit again. He's playing shit, or he's playing good, or fat me, we're hammering them. Um, you know the I'm best football I've place. ever seen, Tony. Tony, the yeah. best football I've ever seen ever. I mean, you know, not not just Chelsea, but the best football I've seen ever was the Dutch side of the uh, the early seventies. Yes, and they played total football. They didn't have yes. a formation. They no, just played. Just, yeah, exactly. I'm there with you, mate. One hundred percent. So, next email, Jonathan. There's a good email that one. We've got another few coming email up. Email number two, Daniel Barker. Hello, Chidge and the gang. I've been away for the weekend for work, only managed to watch the game now, giving myself a complete social media blackout. Well, well done, mate, because that's really difficult. And um, I, um, a lot of emoticons, there's one with a, um, a smiley face touching his face. Am I, and then a whole series of uh, happy emoticons, or am I sad emoticons and dreaming of what I just watched? Please tell me that was real. After Costa missed that sideward scissor, I literally had tears in my eyes. Not because of the miss, but the, of, for the fact of how I was watching our boys boss a match like no other. I honestly cannot remember seeing this type of brutally offensive and yet brilliantly defensive play in fucking years. In capital letters. <laughs> to finally see Chelsea play in this manner when we are the team in control. We are the team who know what having the ball is all about. We, being so excluded from any title challenge whatsoever, have snuck up these haters' arseholes and are beginning to tear them a new one. 
I don't want to get ahead of ourselves as there's a long way to go. But I truly believe that we and the rest of the world are witnessing possibly the new era of Chelsea Football Club, a potential dominance, positive, stylish football that can slow it down and absolutely pounce whenever we want to. Yes, there'll be hiccups along the way. But Conte has brought a new belief in us that no one has seen in a very long time. A belief of invincibility and passion that will not stop until that final whistle and that last kick of the ball. I know it's easy to say at this present time, but I honestly thought to myself and have said many a time that as soon as Jose was showing faint signs of him leaving, I wanted Conte straight away. And when he was appointed, I couldn't contain myself. And seeing him take the club and competition by storm, proving a lot of people wrong, proving a lot of people wrong, giving Jose, Klopp, Pep and Poch props for being the experienced and intelligent managers fluffing their feathers, amongst other things, pouting their lips and thumping their chests, claiming that they're the managers to bring the big players and turn football up a notch. And as I originally come from Italy, this is a personal... And then there's a, uh, uh, an emoticon. And then there's a emoticon of a finger. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Not only has Conte impressed me with the way he has the boys playing, but he is true to his word. No matter what that name is on the player's back, if they're in form and show desire, they'll play. And I absolutely love that. He has the team playing for each other, whether on the field or on the bench. If we can continue to play this confidently throughout the season and don't win it, I'll be more than content. As long as there's fire in the players' eyes and they want to show their inner beast with Conte at the helm, then for me, anything within the top four is a success. It's going to be a tough, long and arduous season. And so far, we've passed our tests with flying colours. I could keep going and break down the individual displays throughout the game, but I think it would only be fitting to post a general analysis as the boys played not as individuals, but as a team, a family, players and staff that do not want to let each other down and fight to the very end. I am fucking happy. Capital letters. Up the fucking shelf. <laughs> I love listening to you boys in the fan cast. You're all doing a remarkable job. Look forward to listening to you break games down in the manner that you do with so many different points of view, with each and every one showing their absolute love for the club. Blue blood for life. Daniel Barker. Well, wow. I mean, where, where do you start it. with that email? It's I have got to say, your mouth than me and you. <laughs> I know. I mean, it was a. It was just a. It, it was. It's just like really weird to hear a really angry email that's just like so angrily happy. You know, <laughs> I think. I think that's what shines through. What I should add, Jonathan, by the way, is that you. You. I think you met Daniel because Daniel certainly uh, came and sat on the benches when we were in the TV studio. So there yes, you go. Yeah. Do you remember? Yes, yeah. Yes. I, so well, I didn't know, Daniel's. I didn't know sorry, he had man. This go on. I didn't know he had well, this I know he was such a such a charming, well-spoken, quiet gentleman when we met him. <laughs> uh, but there you go. But I think I think he's uh, I think he's based in Oz, so I think that explains the foul language. You know, hmm. we know we, we you know you know we know what the Aussies are like. You know, I mean, in fact, the language on the, your average Aussie radio station makes this look this podcast look positively angelic. So you know. <laughs> But anyway, Daniel, great to hear from you. Crack an email. Um, Jonathan, do you want to quickly comment on it? Well, it's, just, it's, it's, uh, it's the most sweary uh, emoticon. 
riddled <laughs> email that we've ever had. <laughs> but, you know, congratulations. Yeah, but it's great. He's, I... just saying, he, he's saying exactly what you said. I, I commend him for having managed to, uh, to uh, avoid um, social media about what was going on, or even if yeah. his mates ringing him up to tell him how the game had gone. That's completely brilliant. He must have must have been hiding under the bed for a bit or something. But I have to also... Yeah, say, sorry, yeah. No, sorry, right, mate. Sorry, I don't mean to butt in. I, I, I just wanted to commend you for for your reading of it. I thought you, 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 you put as much into reading his email out as he did to writing it. I felt I thought it was brilliant. Well, it's, it, like it's very easy when you've got capital letters and emoticons. You know what they're after. You know what they want. You do indeed. So, yeah. Good direction, yeah, Daniel. That's what Jonathan needs. Um, shall yeah. we uh, quickly? Because there's not much to talk about other than that Jonathan uh, that, that that Daniel's fucking happy basically. But uh, do you want to read the next one out, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is from Steve Burton, a.k.a. at CFC Mode, M-O-D-E. Chidge, just a ah. note to say, well done to you and the gang on continuing to provide a great podcast every week, which, as you know, I sometimes listen to live and occasionally chip into the chat whenever I can. If I'm busy, I'll always listen to the whole show when it's released on iTunes. I'll be dick- dipping in again, dicking, sorry. I'll be dipping in again this <laughs> evening for the first time. <laughs> Happy face. Um, uh, all these emoticons are all coming in, I like it uh, I'm delighted that since the Arsenal defeat I'm no longer Mr Angry every week with the West Ham League Cup defeat the exception, yes indeed uh, no doubt you will all be extolling the excellent performances of Diego Costa tonight after his stunning goal yesterday like many fans I've been a critic of his in the past because of his ridiculous unwarranted and stupid behaviour in certain games but what a difference Conte has made to him and also Hazard, Matic and Moses. I agree completely, yeah. Clearly, Conte has given them all back their confidence, which is exactly what they needed. The new manager has certainly encouraged Costa to focus all of his aggression and efforts into doing his job effectively as a proper centre-forward again. So much so that he's probably been the best striker in the Premier League this season. Absolutely agree. No doubt Conte will be planning ahead for the January transfer window to tweak the squad, so maybe some players will leave and hopefully one or two more may come in if available. The hierarchy must trust him and listen to what he wants. He's made a really effective transition in tactics and unbiased first-team player selections in such a short period of time with very little pre-season preparation. It's quite something to see us just one point off the top as we enter November and remarkably with a new solid defence after last season's all-round debacle. The lack of midweek matches must surely make a real difference in the preparations for every league game from now on, which can only endorse and solidify Conte's tactics. Man United's continual joyful and very expensive decline here has made the managerial change at our club so much more stark. And long may that continue. Keep up the good work as usual. Hope to see you again soon. Steve Burton, a.k.a. at CFC Mode. Yeah, another, here, here. I mean, good one. Another good yeah, one wasn't it? Wasn't it just Steve's a lovely, lovely lad, actually. I, I, I see Steve a fair amount, quite often at, uh, you know, trust SGMs and things, and he's a, he's a lovely, lovely man. He, and as he said, he's quite often in the Mixler, Mixler chat room. Um, I'm going to ask. We haven't heard from Dan for a while, and I'm conscious that I can hear his dinner being served. So therefore, I thought it'd be, it'd be much <laughs> more. His dinner being eaten, being eaten. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun to interrupt his dinner. So there we go. But uh, Dan, I thought the the one point that came across to me in that email was something that we hadn't actually touched on, but of course was a was a feature of the game on Saturday was the hatchet uh, job that Coleman, you basically meeting out a bit of retribution, I think, on Costa which actually you know, made Costa's leg bleed. But Costa did not 
uh, spend the rest of the match running after him to try and break his legs. He just played an absolute blinder. And uh, it, it did occur to me at the time, actually, that, it, that that's a huge difference between Costa this season and last season. Don't you? And I think Steve makes the same point. Yeah, totally. I mean, he's, that, he's still got that talent, but that, that little anger, that little switch that he has where he just goes nuts, seems to have died a death in a few TV mm. covers the first few games of the season when he's getting booked for dissent. But he just looks like a complete striker now. He's not, he's not, his short next doesn't get such his way, just gets on with it. Shane, I mean, the skills he, he did before the fifth goal when he kind of pulled it down, turned, ran at defenders. Oh, brilliant. brilliant. That was a fantastic brilliant. bit of skill. He, was he's just focusing, focusing on, his, focusing on his football and he's top, there's no, you know, top striker in the league at the moment. I think it's great to see. He's still got the bit of aggression which he needs, but he's not being arsed about it. Mm. It's interesting. I, I, well, our simple view is I'm pretty convinced that um, when he was getting all the bookings and the silly stuff earlier in the season, um, that he, he he basically got up one morning, uh, went to put his arm around his wife and found a horse's head next to him. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, and I think that may well have given him the message that you don't mess. <laughs> Stereotyping up it there. You don't, you don't mess. You don't mess with our Italian friends. That's basically what I'm saying. He made him an offer um, he couldn't refuse, Tony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's great to see him. In, and honestly, because he hasn't got that, he hasn't sort of lost his edge. But he's lost that stupid, you know, dissent and uh, whatever. Um, it makes him more lethal. Yeah, he's to be fair, Tony, I, I don't actually think Costa is married. But if he is, I think it might be that dog that was licking his ear on Twitter vines the other day. <laughs> yeah, that, that was disturbing. Yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. What was disturbing was the look on Costa's face, but uh, let's not go there. Um, Jonathan, yeah. have you got anything to add to that, or would you like to get on with the next email? Um, uh, what, to the discussion about Costa and the dog? or um, mm. uh, <laughs> Well, anything you like, really. Horses, heads, <laughs> uh, Costa's dog, I don't really mind. Uh, no, I just uh, agree with you completely about Costa, I think... Um, uh, he's he's something. He just seemed unbelievably happy. He seemed very happy all the time in the uh, in in the the efforts of the players around him, and um, as revealing what a wonderfully skillful bloke he is. He's actually to me, he's playing better than he's played. He even played in the season we won the league um, because he's so much more focused about uh, um, bringing other players in, and, and and he's running like a. Like a young colt, he's just great. Yeah, I think he's lost a bit of weight actually. I think they all they're all much fitter and um, mm. playing for each other. It's it's joyous as you keep saying, Chid. Well done. So, I'll read this one now. Email number four. This was, this was written before the Everton match, by the way, mate. Just so you know the chronology of okay. it. Okay. Good stuff. It's from Jono. This time for Chidge. I'll get the smoke blowing out of the way first. I've followed Chelsea since the late 80s, when as a student in London, I used to walk to the games and pay a fiver or so to get into the shed or sit on the benches. A season ticket followed, but work, family and cost pressure have taken me away. Now I'm only able to get to one or two games a year. What I miss most is the view of the whole game that you get when you're actually at the match, the banter. But most importantly, the view you get of where the team is going by seeing them week in and week out, i.e. the fans' view which is mostly a lot more pragmatic and insightful than what you get in the press. And that's why I listen to podcasts such as yours. So thanks very much for what you do. It helps me be a supporter. I really believe in this. Years ago, the Chelsea website used to publish fan reviews of games. And in the period 1994 to 1998, quite a lot of them were written by me. 
seeking to give remote supporters a fan's eye view. So, to the point of this mail, those of us who have not so long memories will remember, remember, we're shit in November. We're promising starts to seasons by Ancelotti, Villas Boas, you see what I did there? But it's right. Villas Boas, Di Matteo, Big Phil Scolari et al. all seem to come apart in November, leading often to managerial bloodletting and panic January buying to get us out of a trough. I don't want to mention last season, as to me it was one long dip. However, I think the seeds were sown in the New Year loss against Tottenham and Jose's change to more pragmatic tactics in the second half of the championship year. So given our great start, does the panel think we've got our normal November drop out of the way early this year with the results against Swansea, Liverpool and Arsenal? Or will it come apart again? I think yesterday's match against Southampton gives evidence that we might sidestep a poor November. Although we've had a few victories in the past at St Mary's, I can't really remember following a match against them that has given me as little stress or worry as yesterday. I think even when we have beaten them, it's been through a last-minute mugging and not really a full 90 minutes played to an obvious game plan and executed with such ruthless efficiency, as, my, as, as is my impression of yesterday, except I wasn't there and only got highlights. I guess the next tough match against Everton will tell us a lot more. Thanks again for spending the time to put the podcast together. I listen most weeks on iTunes. Up the Chelsea, John O. Cheers, John O. Great email again. Um, well, I, th- I think very quickly, in lieu of the time or lack of it, uh, uh, will we be shit in November, Jonathan? Um, no, not a hope. And perhaps the blip was against early on in the season where Conte was working mm. it out. Um, Tony? Well, as, as, sorry, sorry, as sorry, sorry, in, Jonathan. As, carry on. As a, week, as a week in Everton has been taken out by the... A week in Everton. A week in, uh, in November has been taken out by the, um, the international break. We've got less chance. We've... we've We've, we will we'll have survived the first two weeks. Hear, hear. <laughs> Tony? Uh, no, we won't be, because it's a load of old superstitious bollocks. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my incisive... Um... You miserable old scrote. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We won't be shit in November. I don't, I'm not buying that. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. Brilliant. Dan? Yeah, I've heard that. I think we'll beat Middlesbrough, and I think we'll get a positive result against Spurs. And then it's December. Then it's, yep. then it's set a, set aware. Brilliant. All right. Well, I mean, I, it was it was me actually who coined the. I believe, well, I, I'm going to take credit for it. It's probably one of our listeners, to be fair. But uh, remember, remember, we're shit in November. Was definitely one of ours. And I shared that with Kerry on the preview show last week, and he did laugh. I think his laugh was also indicating that he didn't agree. And it would, see, it would seem that we have some consensus here that we don't think we are going to be shit in November. It's going to carry on. It's going to be wonderful. Um, but I think that's a great email, Jono, and really, it's lovely to hear from you. And I, and I think, um, you know, it always makes me sad when I, I get to hear stories like yours where, you know, you've been disenfranchised from following uh, our wonderful club by actually going. It makes me very cross when I, when I hear that. But it's nice that, uh, you know, you get to keep in touch with what's going on. And uh, hopefully we help in some little way by doing that. But if you're ever in the manor, come and have a beer with us. It'd be lovely to meet you. Um, I've got very important breaking news, actually, which I must share with uh, Jonathan. Uh, the wonderful Bonnie Rig Blues has posted in Mixler, Jonathan needs to work on talk sport. He's got the voice for radio, for sure, as soon as would say. <laughs> Any, anything to add to that, Jonathan? Um, yeah, yeah, but what she's saying, is she, does she mean that uh, as a punter or as a, a person doing the ads? 
I'm hoping they're. they're I hope. I hope they're saying as somebody doing the ads because that would be actually funnier. Yeah, that would be funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, because I, I do, uh, I do 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 them anyway. Yeah. Yes, yes. Jonathan, I, Jonathan, Chidge, I speak a bit more like that when I do it, don't I? Because you've got to be slightly more talk sport. And like, no, I, you see, I miss that. We used to do that all the time, didn't we? Jonathan, do uh, this shout out in the style of, you know. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think yes, his magic is Southampton. Kids, that was from my son, Sir Paul Avenba. That kind of thing. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, one of the things I love about Jonathan when I first kind of got to know him, and he said, "Of course, you realise that I am the most voice art, voice over art." Well, I can't remember how you put it now, but basically, it meant that he was all over talk sport like a cheap suit in terms of the number of voiceovers he does, and I was very impressed. And what always makes me laugh, me. Master, master of disguise, Chid, you didn't recognise. Indeed. But what always used to make me laugh is that um, I would either, you know, just do a podcast with Jonathan and I'd turn on TalkSport and then the, or I could guarantee the first thing I hear is Jonathan's voice on TalkSport doing an ad. And I'd just be like, God, I've just had two hours of it, man. Give me a break. Anyway, no, Jonathan, you've earned your corn tonight and read those four emails beautifully. Uh, and sadly, we really no, they, do they, have to go. It helps when they're, they're really good emails. The, the they were, weren't they? The, the observation's yeah, were... great, and the and they're well written, so you know all three works. So. And I do like the cap- capital letters; it's easy to read yeah. them out properly. Then they were crackers. Now, listen, guys, we've really got to go because we're over time. But uh, just before we do, uh, to reiterate, really, what Jonathan was saying, um, we do love receiving your emails, uh, and we will always try and read them out on the show. Uh, so send them to chelseafancast at gmail dot com before Monday, otherwise they don't make it into the script. Now. Uh, very, very sadly, that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, very, very annoyingly, we're not back uh, next Monday, the 14th of November, because there's another bloody international break. Uh, but instead, I'll be joined by Jonathan Kidd, Clayton Beerman and Dan Levine on Monday, the 21st of November, to report back on the Middlesbrough game. Uh, but before that, don't forget to download the next Kerry Dixon preview preview show this Friday. I mean, there is no match, but I'm going to try and get him on anyway. Uh, because I'm like that. Now, do not forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, uh, at Jonathan Kidd, at Grocer Jack UK, which is Tony, and at Dan Sills, S I L V S 73, which is Dan. And of course, check out the website, ChelseaFancast.com. Right, many thanks to my tremendous guests this week who have been, I mean, I can't, do you know what, guys? I cannot remember a happier show. Uh, than this for a long, long time. In fact, we should turn the show completely on its head and say, can you remember a happier Chelsea fan cast ever than this, Jonathan Kidd? After the Champions League, Chidge. After the final. That was the drunkest. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apart from that... Um... Yeah, yeah, when we won the title in 2014. Yeah, we've had a few good ones, it's true. We've had a few. Uh, Tony... we, we can honestly say the last... Yeah, 13, I'm with JK. 13 years, we've had a lot, a lot to be very pleased with. Yeah, oh, well, I'm okay, with JK. So... I'm with JK, mate. You're spoilt for choice on happy shows these days. Okay, okay. Good Dan, internet, uh, I, I... it's been a happy say... show for me, that's for sure. Uh, Dan, has it been a happy show for you? Yeah, it's been the cherry on the icing on the cake and great weekend. Yeah, hasn't it? It was a cracking weekend. I mean, on on a final note, because I didn't see you other two boys, uh, sadly, but uh, not only did I I, I have a lot of great fun uh, drinking with Dan, but uh, I I had one of those rare games of the season where I got to sit with Dan and uh, and have a lovely time. So thanks for sorting that out, mate. Much appreciated. uh, 
my buddy Simon had a great day. I mean, as, as I said to him before, I said he's a Southampton fan, but at least this way he'll get to see some good football. And I said that before the game. So thank God Chelsea delivered. Otherwise, I'd have looked like a complete pillock. So that was, uh, again, the cherry on the icing of a cake of a good weekend. Anyway, uh, guys, thank you so much. You've been brilliant as always. We really have to go because we are outstaying our welcome. Um, so uh, many thanks to my guests, as I said. Especially many, many thanks to the lovely people in... Uh, in Mixler, who have been contributing brilliantly. In fact, they went off, and they, like they do, they ignored the show for a good 10 minutes whilst they talked about all sorts of various sweets and uh, fizzy drinks, from Cresta to Opal <laughs> fruits, as I noticed. That yeah. is why I love you so much. You are bonkers. It's brilliant. All right, guys, we got to go. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code mom.